Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Hopefully you're having a great day, great week. I have a cup of lukewarm decaf, which tastes better than it may sound. It's not bad, you know. New year, new you. There you go. A little less caffeine. Probably wouldn't hurt anybody. But yeah, good to be here at the cafe. We are diving into God's word. These episodes are flying by. I can't believe it. We are on episode six right now. Focusing uh, on a little bit of Genesis 1-6 as well as 7 and 8 today. And we are looking at this idea that God created things, okay? Genesis 1-1 tells us that God created the heaven and the earth, okay? That's good to know. It didn't create itself, okay? God created the heaven and the earth. And then we see this introduction to water in Genesis 1-2, the very... The very Second verse of the first book of the Bible. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, okay. So there's some water there. And we see verse 3, God said that there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, God saw the light, it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. We spent a lot of time talking about that. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. We spent a fair bit of time talking about the importance in these past episodes here of keeping track of time and, and God creating time. He's created light. He's created darkness. He created earth. He created heaven. He's got the water there. Clearly he created that. And then we get to verse six, which is what we looked at last episode. And God said, let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. God puts this thing in there called a firmament. Firmament. It's such a Bible word, isn't it? It's a region of air. Skies or heaven, scripture, the word is an expanse, a wide extent. The region, the reach, the original, therefore, conveys a sense of solidity, but of uh, not just solidity, but of stretching, extension, a great arch. That's some uh, butchered version of the definition that I'm reading to you. Um, hopefully you're getting an idea of the sky. Okay. So what is a firmament? It's the sky. It's the space that God used to divide the waters from the waters. And you may be saying, well, if God used the sky to divide the waters from the waters, then why or what on earth, where's that water up in space? Because I'm not seeing it. And that gets into, again, there's a lot of different theories, but I'm just sticking to the Bible. I'm not diving deep into like the theories about the water that's in space. We're just keeping it scriptural. And that's where we start getting into this idea that there is water in heaven Right. And so God might have been dividing the, the heavens from earth. And if you're looking at the layers, let's take the layers from us on earth. OK, let's just imagine you're listening to this at home and you walk out your front door, you open your door, you walk out the front door and you look up and you see the sky. You see birds flying. You see some clouds there. You see the sun shining. That there is the first heaven, as the Bible calls it. Okay, and then let's say uh, it's nighttime and you look up and you see the stars. That would be the second heaven as the Bible, excuse me, the second heaven as the Bible calls it. 
and that's space, okay? So those are the two heavens so far. And now we have a third heaven, and that's where God resides, and that's also where this water may in fact be. Revelation 4, 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. This particular sea is above the firmament as we know it. This is representing that impassable world. We see here in Psalm 148.4, I wanted to get to this last episode and didn't have time. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, ye waters that be above the heavens. Hmm. And so here David could be saying, praise him, ye waters that could be above our sky and space. And that water would then be there in heaven, right? This is the sea that John saw in his visions. This gives us a better understanding of what Apostle Paul was talking about in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, specifically 12.2, where he speaks of a place called the third heaven. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12.2. Now Paul's speaking of himself, right? And what was he speaking of? God took him to heaven. God gave him a little preview, okay? So Paul, as he is, he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, God tells Ananias, hey, look, this guy's going to suffer for me big time, right? He's going to suffer. Paul is suffering like crazy, and yet Paul is committed to the cause of Christ. Paul has is rooted, like his upbringing is in this legalistic Jewish Theology He's believing in the law and keeping the law and everything that he's known his whole life, the, the thing that he did for a vocation, the thing that earned him a good living, the thing that earned him a good reputation, everything is tossed on its head and he has to now go do what he thought he would never do, preach to the Gentiles, that Jesus came to save them and, 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 and be absolutely pretty much lit on fire for doing it. I believe his persecution was extra bad because of who he was. It wasn't like John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness and people were saying, who's this guy? What the heck? You know, he was looking like a wild man, right? He was who he was, right? He was never a, you know, uh, on the Sanhedrin, which would be like the Supreme Court. You know, he was never a, you know, in that group, okay? Paul was in that group. And so he's suffering and suffering and suffering. And God gives him a little taste of heaven a little preview of heaven, and he gets caught up to the third heaven. So that's when we, we mention the third heaven. It's biblical. It's here in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 talks about being caught up to the third heaven. He gets to see a little bit of heaven. Of course, he can't say anything about it to others because then they would worship him, right? They would make him a god. And so he was sworn not to say anything, but he was given a little preview. I've heard uh, Bible teachers and preachers mention, like, you know, when Paul was martyred finally there, after all the suffering he'd been through, he ran to the guillotine because he, again, in part, knew what was waiting for him in heaven. And so he knew how good it would be. So we see our physical sea, our waters. We can see that. We have the first heaven, the atmosphere. We have the second heaven, outer space. And then we have the sea above outer space, below the third heaven. This is the sea of separation that we can, can 
make this, I want to use, I hate using the word assumption, but I kind of have to use it um, because I I don't know that the Bible explicitly says that. The Bible just says, here's this crystal sea in heaven. There is this thing going on in heaven. God uses this. He creates firmament. He sticks it in there to divide the heavens from the earth. We start using that word heaven a little bit liberally to describe the sky and space. And we think, where is the division? Well, it's not the division. Certainly, I mean, it's not like we bumped into God when we were going on an airplane uh, in terms of we didn't bump into his heaven, right? We're like, oh, watch out for uh, the streets of gold up there. No, we know what that's about. We know what the sky is about. Not just airplanes. You can put a blimp up there or whatever, a drone, whatever else, right? It's not in the sky. It's not in space as, as we, we know it. It's above space. It's the third heaven. Amen. You know, there's so much to the number three. Amen. There is so much to the number three. Uh, you know, the number three, that Jesus was buried three days. Amen. Uh, I did a whole message series on the number three because it is such a big, important number. Uh, you know, there are, as I understand it, three sections to the tabernacle, three sections to the temple, uh, three sections to earth, the crust, the mantle, and the core. Uh, depending on how you're judging the floors, there might be three floors to the ark. You may say there's a little bit more or less, depending on how you look at it. But three is an incredibly important number. And we understand that God has that third heaven, amen, and how important it is that we understand that God is real, amen, and he's residing in this heaven, amen, and here in this heaven is a real, literal God, amen, and Jesus Christ, who is also real and co-equal with God. And one day, heaven and earth will come together, and we will be with God. We will be with Jesus Christ, we will have no night because he is the light. It'll be a day like you can't even imagine. So let's get to the next verse right after this break. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. So here we have verse 7. God made the ferment and divided the waters which were under the ferment from the waters which were above the ferment, and it was so. And so, you know, as we go through the scripture, what do we see? You know, let's take a step back for a minute. What do we see of our God? We see a very important plan being acted out by an all-powerful God. And that somehow is lost on many people today, that everything that is done, it's done for a reason, that God had a plan and God executed that plan. And as we spend time in his word, again, seven, seventh verse, it's another very good number, number of completion. God made the ferment, divided the waters which are under the ferment from the waters which are above the ferment, and it was so. Just think of that little last part. There's a colon there and it's, then it reads, and it was so. You think about this. If you're going through this nice and taking your time, as we have been a little bit, and you're looking at that verse and you read that God does something miraculous, okay, that he creates essentially sky, sky and maybe even space at that time, right? We know he hung the stars up, but he's creating these things. He just said, uh, it was so, right? It was so, you know, it was so incredible, absolutely incredible. That's, that's who God is. Amen. That's who God is. 
our God is so amazing and so powerful that he just imagines it, he just speaks it, and it happens. Now look at our lives. Look at how we live. Are we thinking of God in that light? You know, maybe you're dealing with something today that looks awfully scary. Maybe you're dealing with something that looks like it happened out of the blue and that you feel like you have to respond to it or that it might have even caught God by surprise. Let me tell you, nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing catches God by surprise. Everything is happening just as God would have it to happen for his intended purpose at that appointed time. You know, that is that is who God is. And I'm going to give you a New Testament scripture to think about that. Romans 8, 28, very familiar verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. So for those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. All things, not some things, not a, not a few things, all things. And so the same God that said, we're going to make a division here. Because think about this. In Genesis 1-7, had man fallen into sin yet? No, he had not. Okay, we're not there yet. And God's a God of order. This is being written from the beginning onward, right? Kind of like the first day onward. Again, we talked about the importance of God creating time, the way to keep track of time. How about the importance of God creating time, keeping track on time, helping us understand time, and then giving us the creation account in time. You know, so we know day one, day two, day three, right? It's incredible, but that's another one there, another layer to his brilliance. And so we see here that God Almighty he creates this, this break into, in the waters to create this break from what will be earth and sky and space. Do you think maybe God knew what was coming? Do you think maybe God knew that, hey, man was going to fall into sin, that the devil will become the prince of the power of the air, the, the little G God of this world? Do you think God might have known that? And so what does he do? He creates that division. So that sinful man is not going to be getting into heaven, accessing heaven. No, he's going to have to go through the blood of Christ. Amen. God knew it all from the beginning. God's plan is perfect. We see that playing out even before man falls into sin because God knew it would happen. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.